The interview you're about to hear was aired on Planet Philadelphia on Germantown Community Radio at 92.9 FM, WGGTLP Philadelphia, and gtownradio.com. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Kay Wood, the host of Planet Philadelphia. Linda Rosenwein is here with me, and today we're speaking with Simone Spicer. She's a sculptor who is living and working just outside of Philadelphia. Hi, Simone. Thank you so much for talking with us today. So happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I guess we should start with you telling the listeners a little about yourself and how you came to this work. Uh, well, I'm a sculptor and I work with trash and I have been working in trash since the 80s before anybody was really talking or thinking about climate change. But I've always been attracted to uh, materials that had a past life and specifically for some unknown reason, empty vessel containers like cardboard boxes or um, bottles. And uh, I use these in large scale sculptures. And since we've been thinking so much recently about overconsumption and our culture's wasteful behavior, I feel my pieces are becoming more relevant and those ideas about what we're doing to our planet are really integral to my work now, although I'm still using the materials the way I did initially, which was really about the love of using items that, as I said, had a past life, speak about the collaboration of industry, design, manufacturing, um, transportation, distribution, items that have been in people's homes. I just like working with things that have been around and um, I feel the energy from all of that. I get to capitalize in my work. If I'm using, for example, Tide bottles, you know, for me, they have, despite the fact that they're just an insidious single use container that goes into landfill or who knows where, they're also ingenious. They're about fine design, you know, to get people to buy them off the shelf and the bright colors. And I think capitalizing on that in my work. It's been valuable for me and I can build things with them that speak to both the problems that we have in our society and also how amazing human beings are in what we create. What you chose to work with has a whole history to it and a whole meaning beyond the aesthetic value or it, en it enriches the aesthetic value from what you're- It enriches, yeah, I feel that way. For example, um, I made a head of Donald Trump when we found out he was going to be our president. Couldn't believe that was actually going to happen. The head of Trump, which is larger than life size, is made from white milk jugs because my thought was that the shape of his face was sort of like the flat 
planes of the milk jug, the sides of the jugs, and his hair is cut up Tide bottles, which when a Tide bottle is cut up into smaller strips, it has sort of a fiery quality. So I'm gluing all these fiery pieces on top of this big milk jug head, and the mouth is a small little nozzle of the milk jug, like a couple of them glued together. And the piece is called Trash Talk. So I'm pulling together what the materials are along with what the message of the image is. And I try to do that in all my pieces. So it sounds like you include politics in your work, not just concerns for the environment. I think that they're so intertwined because the policymakers are what who have created the problems that we have. So if we're going to talk about climate change, we sort of have to talk about politics. Say some more about empty containers and, and what that means. I mean, do you fill them or do you just contemplate the space as a, as a negative space or that seems I love intriguing that to me. It's thanks for asking me that because it's intriguing to me that I always come back to empty containers and I'm not actually sure why. But what you just said about contemplating the empty space, I think, is a large part of it. A good example is a piece that I did recently for the Philadelphia airport. And I gathered thousands of single-use water bottles and have them attached to a huge foam panel. The piece is about 20 feet long and eight feet tall. And I've taken the water bottles and created a giant spiral galaxy and other celestial bodies. And it incorporates LED lighting and kind of a gentle sound as the wind blows through all of these open containers. The idea of empty space and the bottles just harmonized so well for me. I think it is about a contemplative space. And I think that when I think about climate change and what we're doing to the planet and how upsetting it is, the thought that we're going to lose our beautiful biodiversity if we don't make quick changes. For me as an artist, I need to be making things that are beautiful and taking the trash, which is just the dregs of what we're doing, the wasteful single-use containers, and creating something that speaks to deep time before humans were ever here somehow connects me and our culture to all that is in a more spiritual way. So there's something spiritual for me about the empty container. So the container may stand as a metaphor for the individual. And when I put them together, as I often do, many of them together, that is the collective of humanity. And you kind of alluded to the experience that you have in creating these artworks. Can you say more about that as you're doing it and, and thinking about, about what you're going to create? 
that is such a great topic of mystery, right? Like as artists, we can get an idea of what we want to make and then gather up the materials to make it happen. But then when I'm actually putting the objects together, I have to stay in the present moment and let whatever is happening speak to me. And that's where magic happens when I'm allowing the materials to speak to me and live the dialogue between myself and the materials. I read a couple of reviews of your work. And one of the things they mentioned is that on the surface, they often seem playful and even funny in a way. And I, w- I was wondering if you could talk about that. Well, when people talk about climate change and everything that's happening and the fear around it and this kind of desperation about, well, we have to do something, you know, what can we really do about what's happening? We can watch it unfold. And so when you're talking about the lightness in my work, I just have to keep coming back to that place that, you know, we're here and we're doing what we're doing. And do I want to despise humanity of which I am a part? No, I don't. And I am complicit in the problems. I use single-use containers. I go places on airplanes. I drive my car. And I feel, you know, these things can't, we can't continue on as we have been. But we should just be feeling grateful for our lives and do what we can personally. So the lightness, how can I explain it? I want to feel innocent about what's happening and not get caught in ideas that I need to make change and be part of change. I wanna inform people of what we're doing and talk about how ridiculous it is, but I also wanna feel innocent about it. Elizabeth Colbert, maybe you've read her books. She travels with scientists around the world and reports to the general public in a layman's terms about what's happening. In her book, The Sixth Extinction, which referring to us now, she talks, she outlines all the other five extinctions that have happened prior to this. And the first extinction on Earth, apparently, was due to plants that were emitting too much oxygen into the air and killed the anaerobic microorganisms in the sea. And I thought, well, if a plant can go forward and make tremendous changes on the planet, then maybe we're just doing what we're doing. We're part of nature. We can't use anything outside of nature. Even the plastic single-use horrible containers are derived from nature. And at some point, we'll return to nature. It might be thousands of years, might be after we're gone, but the earth will recover. So I think a lot about that. And for me, that's where I can stay light and playful. My background was as an artist. And when I was in school, you did not inject humor into your work. You did not inject politics into your work, at least according to our 
professors. Um, I was wondering about how you feel as an artist bringing these things into your work. I look at artists like Red Grooms a lot, who was such a cartoony kind of character, right? He just made humor. And if you walk down the streets of Manhattan and look at the characters walking past you, there's a lot of humor in there. Just the variety of body types and the different faces and people busily going about their day. There's this kind of absurdity to it. And I think I respond to that. What do you think is the contribution of art to the question of climate change? I guess the quick answer to that would be we can communicate our personal feelings about what's happening to others and share in that emotionally looking at the visual work itself can be a release of some of the emotion that we're all feeling about what's happening. Sometimes I think people expect artists to be policy makers. There's this overlap that's happening increasingly, I'm noticing, between activism and art. I get lumped in with activists quite frequently. And I'm not really sure why. I guess it's because I'm working with the post-consumer materials. My studio is chock full of plastics. I feel like that's my contribution to the problem. Just upcycling, as they call it, right? Taking trash and turning it into something beautiful and sharing that with people is really what my contribution is. But I'm not a policymaker. I applied for a solo show recently at Da Vinci Art Gallery and I was rejected for the solo and the feedback they gave me was, we really like your work, but we're all aware of the problems of society. We were hoping that maybe you had some kind of solution What movement would you start? How would your artwork be incorporated into the movement? And I thought, what? I'm not a policymaker. I'm an artist. I reflect back at society what we're doing collectively. I'm not about a solution. I hope there are solutions. I will jump on board, but it's not my job to find solutions. It's interesting you mentioned you were feeling that people were coming to you and to artists for solutions. And I'm curious if you think that that is just people are searching generally and they're asking all society or whether you think they're looking to artists especially as a way forward. Well, we can take it as a compliment if they are looking at us first as a solution. Um, And there's probably some of that because as we know, artists are the first to move into the bad neighborhoods and then they become gentrified. Artists are the first to spread the 
word about something that no one's quite willing to look at yet. So yeah, I think people do have a certain respect for artists in that way. How effective do you feel artists work on the environment is on actually making changes? Well, there are so many doing different things. I think we are going to have a tremendous effect. I'm thinking back to a piece I made on the banks of the Schuylkill years ago, and they were single-use plastic bottles that were threaded on a long plastic cord. And I sat down in there during one of the events called Art in the Open, and different artists were doing different things in the landscape on the banks of the Schuylkill. I've got huge amounts of recycled bottles and friends are bringing me trash bags full of bottles. And I'm just sitting there stringing these bottles into this long strand that wound up being more than a quarter mile long. And people were coming up to me and handing me their water bottles and I would stick them on the strand. Over time, it became this long, kind of like a necklace for the landscape and the wind would sort of blow it from one side to the other. And people were really into bringing me their containers to string on it. And I'm constantly being told, thank you for what you do. It's so important. And what I'm doing is working with these particular materials is I'm getting to see how deeply people care about waste in the environment. And they're grateful for what I'm doing. And I'm grateful for them bringing me all the materials they bring me. So that's just me, one person doing one small act. And I think collectively, if artists latch on to something that's meaningful to them and do the small acts, it will kind of spread out, fan out into the general population. And hopefully we'll be able to facilitate some political policy changes through that work. It's just a grassroots kind of place to start tackling the problems. That's what the role I see artists have. I think art is very visceral. People feel it very viscerally when they see it or hear it. I know. I, you know, I made a huge bottle cap mural of undersea life, kind of a cartoony, fun, childlike, easy thing to look at, extremely colorful octopus and giant (laughs) whale and uh, crabs and all these different creatures. And So many people looked at it and said, I can't look at bottle caps the same way again. I can't throw away my bottle caps now that I've seen that. So yeah, you see it viscerally. And, you know, when you see thousands and thousands of bottle caps in one place, you're never going to think about them again in the same way. One of the things I heard from what you're saying is the inner emotional charge that the artist feels somehow projects out in some way. And that's what is really necessary. Right. We can all share in that. We look at it and we're part of it. 
One of the things that I worry about, and I think about it because of the show that we're doing, and it relates to the arts and the environment, is are we just talking to the already convinced? Now, maybe we need to help them move forward as well, but mm -hmm. that worries me. Uh, I think you're right, and I think... Um... A lot of my work is public and that's why I want it to be public. My bottle cap mural is going to the Hava de Grace Seaport Maritime Museum. And I mostly make large sculpture and these materials, the plastics can live outside. So I've done some outdoor work, but if you can get yourself into places where the general public is, that's really rewarding because I've learned that people really care so deeply and they're so grateful to see that someone's working with these materials and talking about the problems of pollution in the environment and single-use containers and overconsumption. So I don't feel that I'm only speaking to people who already know about the problems. I think working with kind of childlike themes and humor brings more people in. I know when I started this radio show in the early days before COVID, so I could go to public events and talk to people. And one of the, the most mentioned things was about trash. Trash was always the first thing people would mention. And so it's interesting that you're taking this trash, which seems to bother people so greatly and making something of beauty and interest out of it. Mm, yeah, thanks. I mean, yeah, there's kind of nothing worse than seeing a neighborhood covered in trash. It's just like you realize how little respect there is for the environment and for the self. You just see that when you look at trash on the mm. ground. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a, a city problem, but also it's an international problem. Totally. I did a bunch of pieces on the trash gyres in the Pacific Ocean, oh, right. you know, where the currents create. And in my pieces, I've got like a eight by five foot canvas with foam rubber and then all these objects flattened out and screwed into and, and then painted over. And it's this kind of like really beautiful expressionistic abstract painting, but based on the fact that there are islands now in the Pacific off of Japan that are just miles of trash. They say the size of Texas is the largest, but which seems absurd and is, it's actually, there's really no sharp boundary for these gyres, right? They kind of dissipate out into the water and they're measuring particles. It's the microplastics. That's really the horrible problem. And they're just under the surface of the water. So it's hard to say exactly how big these things are, but they're literally huge islands of trash now. I have heard that at those gyres that they're discovering some small life forms that are eating them and actually thriving. 
That's our planet. That's mother nature at work. Yeah. Microorganisms that are now digesting plastic, not at the rate that we're producing it, but they're there. <laughs> they may survive. We may not, but they well, that's, that's the thing. <laughs> Okay, well, I am looking at the time. And so we probably should wind down. This has been a delightful discussion. And thank you. Did we miss something that you wanted to bring up? I love everything that you've brought up. I just think it's so pertinent. Like my heart is expanding at the conversations around art and the role, the togetherness that can happen the understanding, the camaraderie, the single-minded direction that can happen when we get together and talk about art. So thank you so much for speaking with us today. So long. If you want to know more about Planet Philadelphia, go to planetphiladelphia.com. You could also find out more about other G-Town Radio programming by going to gtownradio.com. I hope you will consider making a small monthly donation to help Planet Philadelphia continue presenting interviews on important underreported environmental topics and exploring their complexities and intersections. Thank you so much for your support.